0: Right. Good morning. I want to welcome you. If you're watching us online this morning, if that's our website or Facebook live page, if you're in the concourse, if you're sitting somewhere around outside of our worship center, man, God bless you. Thanks for joining us this morning. We are continuing a series called "That's a Great Question." Every week, we're taking a a hot topic in culture or a biblical controversial issue, and we're we're talking about it, answering a question. Uh, There's three reasons for this series. Number one, if you're a Christian, we hope that you grow in your knowledge of the Bible. Number two. Uh, We hope that that you'll, because of that knowledge, be able to step into conversations with people in your relational world and and talk about uh, cultural issues, talk about biblical topics from a biblical perspective and have that confidence to be able to do that. And thirdly, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, we we pray these messages will bring you one step closer to fully surrendering your life to Christ. And, And the question we're answering today is, why should I care about human trafficking? Why should I care about human trafficking? Let's pray. Lord, this is a topic that is so near your heart. And we pray, Lord, that we would, by the Holy Spirit, have the same passion and interest in this as you do. That you would inspire us today, Lord, to dig deeper in our own lives with the the desire to be a difference maker in our culture. Help us, Lord, to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Human trafficking is like the invisible sin of our society. It it doesn't happen out in the open. It's it's not like a shooting death or robbing a convenience store. Really, unless we see some sting operation on the news or some big bust, we don't even really realize that it's happening. Except for the movie Sound of Freedom. Uh, Sound of Freedom has shed light on this issue of human trafficking. Uh, it, it's sort of been like a wildfire across our country, capturing people's interests and making them aware of this issue. Uh, $164 million in revenue from this movie alone in just a few weeks. How many of you have seen the movie Sound of Freedom? All right, many of you, a lot of you. That's wonderful. We're going we're gonna to share a little bit about that this morning. Uh, you've probably walked away from the theater like I did with a number of different emotions. I don't know what you felt if you saw the movie when you walked away. Some of you were just grieved. Some of you were kind of sickened and sad, because people suffer in that way in the world, Uh, millions of people. Some of you were just angry and mad that, that that kind of evil is happening around us. Some of you left motivated and inspired to do something to make a difference like Tim Ballard in the movie, like you you wanted to cross enemy lines and start taking bad guys out, right? I mean, there was something that inspired you to be a difference maker. And and it brings us back to the question, why should I care? Why should I care about human trafficking? It's kind of out there, it really doesn't affect me. I don't even really see it. Well, let me give you two reasons this morning why you should be, as a Christian, why you and I should be concerned and care about human trafficking. The first is this, God commands us to care for the powerless in our society. God commands us to care for the powerless in our society. Now, last week I said, uh, we talked about the problem of evil. And I said, you know, as long as there's evil in the world, there's always going to be people who will exploit and take advantage of other people for their personal benefit. That's essentially what human trafficking is. As Christians, we are are commanded by God to care for people that can't care for themselves. Here's what scripture says, James chapter 1. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Orphans and widows, uh, widows didn't have a husband to provide for them, to care for them, to protect them. They they had no one to help them. They were dependent on other people to help them in life. Orphans didn't have parents. They didn't have a means of income. They didn't have a means of of sustenance and protection. So orphans and widows represent the powerless in our society. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 17, God says this, learn to do good, seek justice, help the oppressed, Defend the, orphan, the cause of orphans, fight for the rights of widows. Recognize in the Old Testament, that's not talking about spiritual help. That's actual social and physical help. Seek justice, help the oppressed, defend the cause of orphans, fight for the rights of widows. And Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 5. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even what? Say it again. Expose the deeds of darkness. It is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. Followers of Jesus Christ are to expose, to shed light upon, to make known these horrific issues in our culture. We are to be about social justice. We are to get involved in in the case of the, the powerless, those in our society that can't help themselves which is really what human trafficking is all about. So what are you doing about it? How are you caring for the powerless in our society? Well, what, what are you doing? The second reason you need to care about human trafficking is because Jesus came to, to free the oppressed. Jesus came to free the oppressed. So in, in Isaiah, it says that this this prophetic scripture about the coming of the Messiah, it's actually the Messiah speaking first person, and and he says this in in the book of Isaiah. I'm sorry, this is is a quote from Isaiah in the Gospel of Luke, uh, Luke 4, 16 to 21. When Jesus came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stood up to read the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me again, the Messiah speaking first person, 700 years before Christ. For he has anointed me or empowered me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, And that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Now, clearly there are spiritual implications related to Jesus and his ministry, right? Freeing us from the power of sin. We were captive to sin. But it wasn't just freeing the spiritually blind. Jesus actually healed the physically blind, didn't he? So there were some some physical or social implications to that. Jesus came to set people free. The the word oppressed uh, in that scripture, he came to set at liberty the oppressed, is a word that means to break down into pieces. That's exactly what happens in human trafficking. Victims are deprived of food, of rest, of care, and broken down to the point where they can't care for themselves and they are completely dependent on their captors. They're broken down. They're oppressed. They can't do anything for themselves. So what are we going to do as Christians, even in response to a movie like Sound of Freedom? How are we going to respond to that now that this issue is being exposed more and more in our culture? Becky Rasmussen Simmons and her husband Michael have been part of this church for a long time. Becky is the CEO of an organization called Call to Freedom, who seeks to restore victims of human trafficking in South Dakota and beyond the borders of South Dakota. We're gonna talk for a few minutes with Becky about human trafficking. I'm gonna ask you to consider two things today as we talk about this issue. Number one, I'm gonna ask you to consider a financial donation to Call to Freedom. They need help financially to continue to expand. They, their, their staff is growing, their ministry is growing, there's incredible need around the state and they always need additional funds. And there's a number of ways you can do that. We're gonna put up a QR code on the screen. You can scan that, it'll take you to their website, explain how to give. You could write a check today before you leave, made out to call to freedom, and drop it in the offering on the way out or drop cash in that. In your bulletin is all the information that you need if you wanna take it home, pray about it. But we're gonna talk about it. The second thing I'm gonna ask you to do is to consider volunteering your time, donating your time and gifting and ability to help this cause. Take a look at this video.
1: Human trafficking is the legal trade of human beings, mainly for the purposes of forced labor and sex trafficking. It is the world's largest growing criminal activity and affects every corner of the globe, including Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And 2016 Call to Freedom answered the call and began providing supportive services for victims of human trafficking and sexual exploitation. Those numbers continue to grow and our call is to journey alongside a victim to survivor by providing them with basic needs and safety. Call to Freedom has developed a strong network of community providers and internal services offering safe housing, mental health, and trauma counseling, medical assistance, addiction counseling, transportation, job employment, and other supportive services. We have trained thousands of first responders, community members, and youth on how to identify trafficking victims. We welcome you to join the fight. Together, we can make a difference.
0: Will you stand with me this morning and give a warm central welcome to Becky Rasmussen-Simmons as she comes and talks a little bit about Call to Freedom. So Becky, you don't know this and you always give God the glory for this ministry and for what you do, which is appropriate, but you are a hero to me and you're a hero to many for answering the call of God. Uh, being obedient to him, and stepping into this, this ministry. Tell us this morning how that came about. How did you become the CEO of Call to Freedom?
1: So human trafficking is just put into federal statute early 2010. And people didn't talk about it, but it's happening for years. And I had gotten introduced to it probably... Um, about 10 years prior to, and I felt God prompting me in my spirit that there was something that I was going to connect to do that, but I didn't know at the time, so I just kept serving the Lord and doing what, where I was at in that season of my life until May of 2015, I heard in prayer, um, Get Back Involved. And so I did that, I Google searched um, and ended up getting involved at Tapestry International. And uh, fast forward to August of 2015, I had um, an outreach in Sturgis, South Dakota, where we were reaching out to individuals who could possibly be purchasing um, young ladies where they think it may be prostitution, but it actually could be human trafficking. And I had an encounter with a young girl named Marissa that forever changed my life. And I knew God was calling me to do something more. Um, entered into prayer and knew that I was supposed to step out in faith. And so established Call to Freedom and uh, applied for our 501C in November of 2015. We got accepted January of 2016 and opened our first office March of 2016. And we simply were volunteers for two years, and God has been continued to provide. Today we have 29 staff that are um, 28 are full-time, another is part-time, that are doing this work and serving and have taken on that heart to continue this mission.
0: Yeah. So everyone may not know, so what exactly is human trafficking, and who does it affect?
1: Human trafficking is the use of force, fraud, or coercion to exploit a human being for either labor or sex exploitation. So there has to be an exchange of money that happens in order for that to be facilitated, unless you're under the age of 18. If you're under the age of 18, you do not have to prove force, fraud, or coercion. You just have to prove the intent to traffic. And what does that mean, who does it affect? It affects everyone. Um, We have to realize that this is a very large revenue business. The second largest, I would probably say we don't have correct stats, that it's actually right there at the first with drug trafficking and gun trafficking. Um, but essentially it is affecting whatever that demand wants. And so if that person who is purchasing wants a young boy, that's what that trafficker is going to target as a young boy. If they want a blue eyed, blonde haired girl, because that's what they are desiring, that that trafficker will go where the money is to be made. And so it's all genders. Um, it's boys, girls, women, and men that we've served.
0: Yeah. And We tend to think that South Dakota is like Mayberry RFD, like there's no problems. This is just a little house on the prairie, and yet it's very pervasive in South Dakota. Um, Things like the Sturgis Rally and uh, pheasant hunting season, those, those types of events draw traffickers. Talk a little bit about what's happening in South Dakota.
1: So South Dakota as a whole, familial trafficking um, is one of the least talked about. We actually had our first prosecution in the state about two years ago where a mom was actually selling her own daughter. And so familial trafficking is those individuals It's a mom, um, it could be a father, an aunt, or an uncle um, that's very prevalent here. And we, as a state, have ten of, of all the ten poorest counties in the United States. We have six of them here with our Indian reservations, and so that becomes a survival mode. Um, and what we've seen with familiar is most don't self-identify. One percent of victims ever identify out of human trafficking situations, and then also a 68 percent of who called a Freedom has served has been from Minnehaha and Lincoln County. Hmm. I don't think we've even scratched the surface of what's happening in our state because of the lack of resources and the lack of services within our state for this particular issue. And then we also have um, facilitation of gang and cartel, which is real. I don't want to set fear into people's heart, but we need to talk about the reality of some of the struggles within our community, Mm -hmm. which is those organized fronts. And those organized fronts will pick vulnerable populations. And because we live in the dark, and we don't talk about this issue, or maybe we're not addressing it in in certain areas, um, that's where this thrives. And so with our rural communities, with the Indian reservations, even into our, um, within our, st- you know, our city here as well, um, we're seeing some of those organized fronts that are targeting and looking for kids, and then online, um, online has no borders. Um, you can actually reach somebody from a third world country and start a conversation online or through gaming. And so we really need to, as parents, I would highly suggest going to one of our trainings to learn more about how to safeguard, because what we're seeing now is what they call boiler rooms where people are actually hired eight hours a day. It's their full-time job to target and perp kids. And so in those scenarios, what we're seeing is this this push for young boys because we're not talking about young boys and we're not actually serving. There's about 2% of services for boys in the United States. Mm -hmm. And so we want to break the silence over that. And when we get to the events, we're talking about Sturgis in uh, hunting season. Those are tough to get in and do um, ops, special ops but we know it's happening because we get the survivors after the seasons are over. A lot of times the traffickers will leave them behind in domestic violence shelters, and then they get connected with us, and we hear their stories. But I know we have a lot of work, and anytime there's large events, you have this facilitation of illegal activity, be it guns, be it drugs, um, also human trafficking as well.
0: Yeah, if you saw the movie, Part of the power of the movie for me was it put a face to an issue. So you're watching the movie and you're you're seeing the two Colombian children, the little boy and the little girl, and you're seeing the dad in his grief sitting on an empty bed every night. And suddenly that issue becomes real because you're saying, I'm saying, I have a granddaughter that age. You have children that boy's age. And suddenly uh, maybe the fear that that could happen to you or the anger that it's happening to someone else's child or grandchild, but it becomes more real. So we just hosted one of those online seminars a couple of weeks ago here at Central. Uh, How can they find out when those trainings are for parents?
1: Yeah, Alisa, who is a survivor herself, and she actually is a human trafficking investigator, and she goes on the open web and dark web. Um, she's going to be facilitating our next training as well, which we held at, and she's coming back from Ukraine to do it. Um, and she has a passion here in South Dakota. So go to calltofreedom.org under our events on our website.
0: Under the events, okay. Um, working with survivors to exit a life of human trafficking and abuse and torture is a complicated process. Talk to us about what Call to Freedom does to support victims on their journey to freedom.
1: God is so faithful. Um, The the complex needs of a trafficking survivor are very diverse. Um, We've had individuals who've been trafficked for three months walk through the doors of Call to Freedom. And I had a woman who was 61 years old um, who had been trafficked from the age seven and so her trauma was much different. And so we don't gauge, we gauge it based on the individual and their journey and what they need. Mm-hmm. So there's not one survivor that looks the same and needs the same services. So really I have a great team, and some of them go to Central and are here today, um, that come alongside survivors and journey life. So. Basic needs and safety are our first services to those individuals. So safety could be not necessarily in a location, it could be that their phone is tapped or their car could be tapped, there's that fear. Um, If you don't deescalate the safety and basic needs, which is like housing, food, shelter, clothes, um, you're never gonna be able to get to the next steps. And so when we get through those steps, the next is um, also the mental health. And a lot of times addiction is a factor in trafficking because the traffickers will introduce their victim to drugs to control them. So a lot of who come through our doors have struggling with substance abuse and addiction So, we navigate that, and once we get through that, then we talk about employment and counseling, and you know those are it's very much depending where they come from. We do have a housing uh, unit called Marissa's House that houses twelve survivors, and I believe currently we have ten children living with us as well um, and provide that supportive living. And then we also have transitional housing um, where a client can stay with us as long as they want. Mm -hmm. Their healing process is really their healing process. And we just come alongside them in that journey. And so we really look to the survivor to tell us what that looks like for them.
0: So mental health counseling, what other things are involved in kind of supporting that victim, survivor. Yeah, a
1: lot of times their IDs are taken from them, so they don't even, can't even find a birth certificate, so we help them establish their identity again. Um, That's huge, that's another form of control. And then also, um, we work with them on jobs. I think we think, okay, just go back into the community and life will be well. And that's not the reality for a survivor. A lot of times they can't work full time. So we work a lot with disability. You know, can they work full time? Can't they? Or how do we create a safe environment that understands? A lot of survivors will not have a work history up to five to 10 years um, because they've been sold that time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so they're like, what do I put on my resume? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, don't lie, um, because some of them go, (laughs) I'll lie and make up a story. I'm like, no, no, don't do that. So let's talk about finding community partners who will employ survivors. And that's worked really well as well.
0: Yeah. So we as Christians, we oversimplify the spiritual element of life. And what do I mean by that? So we would say to these survivors or or to Becky, uh, just get them Jesus. Like they just need Jesus, then everything will get straightened out. And that's, they do need Jesus, but that's not all they need. Uh, and sometimes there's trauma, uh, spiritual trauma.
1: Yeah, there's a spiritual abuse um, as well. And so the enemy knows how to distort the truth. And he will use what will set them free against them. And so a lot of times we'll have um, where some survivors have held their Bible, and that's what's gotten them through. And others um, have been perpetrated in the name of Jesus. And so they don't want anything to do with it because they, they were, their trafficker said, you know, Jesus brought this on you. And so what we have to do is navigate where that person's at and love them. Um, What they've been told and what they've experienced are two different things. And so our model at Call to Freedom is to model who Christ is. Of course, we're not perfect, but we try really hard. And grace, 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 you can make mistakes it's okay to make a mistake. It's okay to fail. We're going to be here for you, no matter what that looks like. And that's Jesus. That is who Jesus is, and Mm -hmm. that's who, gosh, I'm sorry, his faithfulness and how he is actually just, when people walk through the doors of call to freedom, and I have amazing staff, they're amazing, but God does not take his hand off of them. And Mm -hmm. even though in that journey they make, make bad choices or get involved again in a negative situation, they know they can always come back because of that grace
0: yeah and call to freedom is is unapologetically a faith-based organization uh they just are very careful and sensitive to sharing christ uh depending on what people are coming out of um so um in the the six years six or seven years that you've been doing this uh lots of of success stories lots of victory can you can you share any Uh, without mentioning names, things that you've seen?
1: Yeah, so one that actually just kept coming to my mind before service was a grandmother followed me um, to multiple speaking events. And at the third speaking event she showed up to, um, she brought uh, another woman with her, which was a mother, her daughter. And they began to tell me that their granddaughter had been uh, arrested in a sting operation, but they have no idea why she was involved in a human trafficking ring. So you had this entire family that was trying to figure out what human trafficking was. Um, The sting actually saved her life because she was um, driving and being transported between communities um, and had been a part of this arrest. But the family's like, what is human trafficking? What has even happened to my granddaughter? I knew something wasn't right. I just didn't understand it. And fast forward um, through that journey, we actually had to move that young lady nine states away because safety for her, the ring, was not just one perpetrator, it was multiple perpetrators, and she couldn't find safety here. Also, um, and she went to another program in another state, because that was what, what was best for her and the family. And I'm happy to say she's moved back and um, has her own child now and is doing very well and is successful in her mm. job. And the grandmother of the first survivor, who ever walked through the doors of Call to Freedom, mm. Um, actually wrote a book called *The Parent Guide* that's out on our because of her journey, and also now supporting *Call to Freedom* with parents that are in that situation as well. And then Mary, who is also um, our uh, survivor uh, coordinator, she was also inputted her journey into that book as well. And mm. so, to us, I think for us is. Success looks different for survivors. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always look the same as Mm -hmm. what I just shared that story, and that's really up to them. But for me, um, the greatest joy is to see when survivors are not only thriving, but they're also sharing their voice Mm. to be confident and believe that this issue needs to be heard from their personal experience as well.
0: Mm. That's awesome. Some of us walked out of that movie, and I'm not trying to limit those that, if you didn't see the movie, it's okay. Um, But there was a sense in which we were motivated or inspired to be change agents, to make a difference. How can we come alongside you in this ministry and get involved? What, What types of volunteer opportunities do you have?
1: Um, On on that note, too, I want to say if you are a person of influence and and have an opportunity to speak into this issue, we need your voice. We need people's voices at the table because Call to Freedom, are little advocates, um, God has blessed us and really given us an opportunity, but we need people's voices at the table to move this issue along. If you want to volunteer as well, um, we have lots of opportunities. We have security teams. We have mentor opportunities, and we also have where we just need people to do hospitality at our home. Um, We actually, when girls move out, we clean the apartments or set them up for them, for me. And for the staff, it's really important that we honor the people who walk through the doors because they've been dishonored for a long time. Hmm. So that hospitality piece is very important. And then also that handyman or being able to come alongside us in some of those moves that we have with the survivors as well. And then prayer. Um, We need prayer. Prayer. Um, You know, We've talked about the battles and you're um, also on the board of Call to Freedom and and a huge supporter. Um, But we have battles and a lot of people don't see the battles. And we will go into prayer and battle for people. We'll battle for movement. We'll battle for traffickers getting arrested and finding Christ. I mean, if we don't address the whole issue of human trafficking from the demand to the trafficker, we're going to have more victims than we ever have. Um, And then also, if you want to do a drive i just was told that we're out of shampoo and conditioner um so those are things that we give right away those basic needs most walk through the doors and they don't have that if you want to do a drive or contribute those we would appreciate that as
0: well also mentioned like working on cars like yes
1: we need mechanics as well um a lot of times we raise your hand
0: if you're a mechanic. No one's putting their hand up, okay. We got
1: no mechanics in the house.
0: (laughs) Our overworked mechanics who don't want any more work. We need more. We need more, that's right. Hey, would you stand with me this morning? Can you imagine, and I've heard different numbers, but um, that human trafficking is a $150 billion industry globally. And you're Satan, and you're running this operation. And some folks step in to cut that off and mess it up. Can you imagine the the spiritual assault on people that are trying to disrupt what the enemy's doing globally? And Becky has chosen to step into the point of the arrow uh, with her husband, Michael, and her family and her team, and they need to be seriously covered in prayer on an ongoing basis. We're gonna pray now. Would you just extend your hands to Becky as as we pray for her this morning? Jesus, we thank you for the call that you gave to Becky uh, back in 2015, uh, when you said, I have a, a ministry, I have a, a role that I want you to play. I want you to begin to, to set at liberty the oppressed. I want captives to go free. I want, I want the broken to recover. I, I want my name to be glorified in and through this organization. And so, Lord, we thank you for Becky, and we pray protection today. We pray, Lord, that your angels would watch over her and Michael and her family, over her staff and her team, over all those stepping into this globally this ministry of of protecting and and helping the powerless. Father, we pray resources would come in as necessary, Lord, in an ever-growing and expanding ministry. We pray for the generosity of your people, even today in this service, that people would be generous toward the poor, generous toward this this opportunity, Lord. I, I pray, Lord, you would put it in the hearts of our people to step into volunteer opportunities. We pray lord that you would expose crime rings in our state we pray that you would break the hearts of oppressors break the hearts of traffickers god those that are selling people we we pray that they would come under the conviction of the holy spirit and yield themselves to christ we pray lord for life change that would result in practical change and 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 a lessening of this this horrific crime in our state and in our world lord we ask and call on you to intervene and to give protection and wisdom to law enforcement and others that are trying to uncover these things. Father, we pray your grace upon call to freedom today in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. Let's give Becky a nice round of applause this morning.